Dr. John Easter on Together in Missions. Here is Dr. John. All right, who's ready for Christmas Eve? Oh, who's ready for Christmas Eve? Thank you. And let's give it up for Pastor John for our help and our uh, illustration here in just a moment. Watch out. No, this is not a science experiment. You don't need safety goggles. We're all going to be okay. We're all going to be okay. Man, welcome to the Wonder of Christmas series. Last week, Pastor Myel and I got to teach. And I just got to say, Myel, I'm so thankful for you. It was so fun to teach with you. You're amazing. And I'm thankful for you too, Tate. Yes. And Titus. I'm thankful for all of you. If you want me to say your name. No, just kidding. I won't say everyone's name. But I am, we are so grateful for you. But last week we kind of talked about what happens when the picture that you have for something doesn't quite match up, right? We talked about hope and how oftentimes things don't look the way that we want them to look. And then, now don't look at your neighbor and say, I, I was thinking of you. Don't say that. But, you know, for all of us, we have these moments in life where things just don't look the way that we thought it would look. And I was thinking about this as we get ready to talk about today. Today's topic is the wonder of peace. The wonder of peace at Christmas time. And as I was thinking about that, it, my mind was thinking about a time where it didn't quite, the peace that I was looking for didn't quite happen the way I thought it would. And he, here's the situation. Myel and I were going to go, oh, we went away on a, uh, a, a vacation. Now, this was an actual vacation because at this time in our marriage, we didn't have any children yet. So how many know when you go on a vacation um, with children, especially if they're under a certain age, that's called a family trip. <laughs> that's not a vacation. But it's still fun. They're just different things. Well, this was a vacation because we were going to go away, just the two of us, and her parents had purchased some property in a little town. I wonder if anybody knows what this town is. Brewster, Washington. How many have heard of Brewster, Washington? Okay. All right. It's a little town way over in eastern Washington. And they, this, this company had uh, bought and started developing this large, lots of land. And they were selling plots. And my in-laws had bought a plot, but there was no house on it yet. But the facility had built this huge, beautiful home uh, that we were able to stay in for free. Come on, let's go. So we went and we brought our food in and it was, I mean, it was a gorgeous house. Everything was way nicer than anything that we've had and we were having a great time and uh, started to get close to bedtime so we're getting ready to go to bed and I started going to close the windows and the, the blinds and the shades and I realized that this brand new beautiful house had no blinds. No shade, no shades, no curtains. There was nothing to shut it out. And, and so imagine you're in this, I mean, it's a big open field. There's no fence around you. People can kind of come and go as they want. And you're trying to fall asleep and you're looking out and I can see everything that's outside. And it just got, I'll be honest with you, it just got weird. Would anybody else think that's weird? Thank you. Okay, four of us sort of think that's weird. Other people, I don't know what's wrong with you. There's altar time later. But it was just weird. And so Myel and I were kind of like, oh, let's, let's go sleep. There was an upstairs. So we went upstairs, 
and there was, there was still no shades, no blinds, but we're high enough where we thought nobody could peek in and see us, right? I thought, at least there's that. Well, as we're starting to sleep, the roof was tin. It was really, sleep, it was really steep. These birds started to try and land on the roof. It was like, tink, 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 and they couldn't land. So it sounded like nails on a chalkboard sliding down the roof. And Mael is like, this is annoying, and I am scared to death. I am freaked out. I am so afraid of whatever is on the roof, and, and I couldn't do anything about it. And let's just say there was no peace in that house that night. Our little vacation uh, was completely ruined because the truth is if you're not sleeping, you're not at peace. And so I learned two really important things that day about peace. Number one is if you ever go to a house, an Airbnb, a hotel, make sure they have blinds. That's number one. And number two, peace is more important than you think. Peace is more important than you think. It is not until you're without peace do you realize how valuable peace is. Many of us know what it's like to experience an absence of peace, don't we? And I think it can happen in a lot of different ways. You could be going on a road trip with your kids, with your parents, at the mall, jobs, money, losing weight, gaining weight, car trouble, horse trouble, dog trouble, cat trouble, doctor trouble, medicine trouble, taxes trouble, government trouble. Or how about the Seahawks going to be in trouble with the 49ers this afternoon, unfortunately, praying for them in Jesus' name. But the truth is we miss peace in three different ways. Number one... If you're taking notes, you'll miss peace, oftentimes the absence of peace, internally. How many know that things can be really looking good on the outside, but if you're not at peace at the inside, it's a struggle. And that the second way is interpersonally. What do I mean by interpersonally? Relationships. There's an old saying, a happy wife, happy life. And all the men said... Don't squeeze that hand too hard, ladies. And then there's another, a third form of peace that we're all praying for internationally. The world, we're praying for peace. In fact, the Bible instructs us to pray specifically right now for the peace in Jerusalem. And we know that peace is something that we want, isn't it? The absence of peace, whether it's internally, interpersonally, or internationally, without peace, it's hard to function, it's hard to experience joy, it's hard to experience life the way God designed you and I to have peace. Peace is actually powerful, isn't it? Have you ever been in a situation where there's no peace in the room? But the right person walks in and peace happens. Have you ever had a loved one, a family friend, somebody who you really care about and you're kind of struggling with somebody and then they just walk in and this, the proverbial saying, their smile lights up a room. I want to tell you today that you have a savior and his name is Jesus. And he offers you something the world cannot offer. And that's what I want to talk to you about, peace. Peace. You see, 
when you have his peace, you feel like this. Without it, you feel like this. With him, you're up here. Without him, with him, without him, with him, you have peace. But the question we need to ask ourselves is, what do you do when peace is absent? What do you do? Do you go for more chocolate-covered ice cream? Sometimes, but that won't last. What do you do when peace is absent? I have great news for you. The Bible talks exactly about how we should respond. And it's in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to go there. If you don't, don't worry. It'll come up on the screen. But Israel found themselves without peace as a nation during this time period. There's this group of people called the Assyrians. They had taken them captive. And things looked sad, low, bleak, and dark. And most of all, there was no peace. And then God speaks to Isaiah, and he writes this out, and he he declares this message. And I want to read it to you because I believe that it it unlocks the key for all of us to experience peace this morning. Nevertheless, it says, verse 1, that the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will, be, will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. I want to pause right there just for a moment. At this part of Isaiah's prophecy, there would be many people filled with hope and joy and peace that would hear this because when you've been oppressed and you've been beaten and you've been hurt and you've been torn down, you want violence and retribution to bring peace back, don't you? Okay, am I the only one? There's just something about it that's like, I want justice. I want things back. I want this warrior to come. If you look at the language, it's got oppressor's rod, the boots of a warrior. Uniforms bloodstained by war are going to be burned. In fact, what this, this picture is, this violent king's going to show up and throw down. And so Isaiah's setting them up, and it's the picture that everyone's wanting, that the Messiah is going to show up and create an amazing amount of peace, but he's going to do that with a sword. But then something unexpected happens, something they didn't picture. Verse 6 shows up. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called the four names of the Messiah, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, they like that one because you can also translate it as warrior, Everlasting, part, everlasting Father, 
And here's the one they didn't expect. The Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. So when you read this, we're thinking... Mighty God. This is great. He's going to throw down. He's going to beat him up. He's going to punch him in the mouth. He's going to do all these great things with like, like King David would. But then Isaiah throws us off with a baby? Innocent? Small? Helpless? That's what it looks like? I think so many people miss peace. Because they forget that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And he comes in ways that we don't expect him to come. You see, the Prince of Peace, and I want to take you, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Because the Prince of Peace in the Hebrew, that word is Shar Shalom. Shar Shalom. S-H-A-R, Shalom, which means the one who removes all peace-disturbing factors and secures the peace. That's who Jesus is. I'm going to say that for you one more time if you want to write that down. The one who removes all peace-disturbing factors and secures the peace. This instantly sets him apart. He's totally different than all the human rulers who depend on the sword to cross peace. Jesus comes up and he says, no, no, I'm the prince of peace. Why is he the prince of peace? Because he's, he is God, but he's the son of God. Our heavenly father is king, and Jesus is the prince of peace. He has the authority to bring peace to your situation and my situation. And I've got good news for you because verse 7 says this, his government and its peace will never end. One of the things that I love about the peace of Jesus is that he says it will never run out. It's never done. He has it forever. Because if you're like me, there's this moment, Christmas morning, for example. At our house, I told you this last week, it's around 5 a.m. usually. All the presents are done. The kids are starting to play with it. Mael gets some coffee and uh, cinnamon rolls often. Hallelujah. And next thing you know, they're kind of playing. Mael and I kind of sit at a quiet moment, and there's peace. And it's just for like a split second. Because usually what's next is, Dad, I need batteries. Dad, we need this mom, 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 mom. And everything changes, right? But there is that moment of peace. And today I want to invite you to experience peace that lasts. And that's the big idea this morning, if you're taking notes. Lasting peace is found in the Prince of Peace. It's not contingent on moments, it's not contingent on your presence, it's not contingent on anything else but Jesus Christ. So the wonder of Christmas this morning is this, how do we have lasting peace? How do you have, how do you experience lasting peace? Well today I brought a little illustration to help us experience lasting peace. If you're like me, I need visual illustrations to help me remember. Anybody else with me on this? So today, I, for all those visual people, this is going to help you remember. Lasting peace. How do you have lasting peace in a world 
that seems to try and do everything it can to get your peace gone. Am I right? You know you have three enemies, don't you? You have the world that's trying to throw you off. You actually have Satan, the Bible says, that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy you. In 1 Peter, it says that he is a roaring lion seeking to whom he may devour. And then you also have, unfortunately, the lust of the flesh, our own way that makes us trip up. Are we right? So what ends up happening is, this little jar right here we're going to say is Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. And this bowl of water, when you experience Jesus, he says that I am in you and you are on me. Guess what happens? You have peace. That's called justification when God makes you right with him. And at that point, you have peace. Once and for all, you have peace. But then you walk maybe out of a church service, you walk out of somewhere else, and you Maybe just right out the front door and somebody spills coffee on you and guess what happens to your peace? Boom. You go to the doctor and they say, I have, bad, I have a diagnosis for you and it's this. Where'd your peace go? Uh, maybe you, uh, you, your relationships with your, your spouse, there was good times, there was tough times. Maybe with your kids. How about those that are trying to save up for retirement? Or maybe you're looking at your 401k right now and watching the stock market very closely. How about when you're watching sports? How about, I, I'll just be real honest with you, how about when your dogs or your cats or your animals get sick and you have to pay the vet bills? For those lovely creatures that we all, I'm going to add a couple more, <laughs> love. We love our, our animals. Uh, I'll be completely honest with you. My, my wife and my, I asked my boys and my wife uh, when I was preparing this message, I said, hey, when do you think dad loses his peace the most? On the way to church. <laughs> I hate being late. And I hate being late to church. I'll, I just got to throw a couple more in there just, just for that. Anybody else? I, I, I want to give you a chance. Where do you lose your peace? Will someone shout it out for me? Where do you lose your peace? Driving. driving. Oh, yes, driving. There's another one. Who else? Who else? Work. Work. Oh, the jobs. If your boss is in here, say it quietly. Where else do you lose your peace? Come on, two more. Politics. Did you have to say that? We were doing so good. It's an election year, Pastor Nate. I know. We'll just keep throwing it in there. All right. I need one more. One more. Health. Absolutely. What would you say? Your siblings. Uh, hope you're not sitting close. But here's the thing. You and I. Oh, I forgot one. You and I are designed to be in Christ and Him and to have peace rule and reign your hearts and lives. Am I right? It would be a lot easier. Have you ever prayed this prayer? Lord, just come back. Just come back, Jesus. Lord, take me out. But I want you to know God has you here for a purpose. When you look up the dictionary of the word peace, you first see the absence of conflict or tranquility, or harmony. But then if you look down a little bit further, there's a, another definition. 
peace out. Like, peace out. And unfortunately, a lot of people, their peace goes out really fast because their life does not look the way they pictured it. And what happens is sometimes people misunderstand when they receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior that it's like suddenly all of their troubles are gone. Everything is going to be easy. And we forget what Jesus actually taught. He said that in this world you will have trials and tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. You can have peace not based on the amount of stones that are thrown into your life, but based on the Prince of Peace. So, so far we've kind of gone in descriptive mode in Scripture. And what does that mean? The Bible is describing in the book of Isaiah how the Prince of Peace will show up. He will do all these things. But later as you read in the Bible, you start seeing things that we call prescriptive. What does prescriptive mean? It means that these are things that you can actually do to, to encounter peace. Because I, I don't know about you, but I've heard lots of messages that are, that are exciting, and I get pumped up. Let's go. That pastor, man, he was fired. What did he say? I don't know. Well, what are you going to do about it? I don't know, but I sure liked what he said. I laughed. I cried. It moved me. But I don't have any prescriptive things. I don't know what I'm going to do after I leave. Well, today, I want to use Scripture because the Bible actually gives you a prescription to experience peace. Now, I'm going to warn you. Prescription's only good if you do it. It only works if you take your medicine. It only works if you apply it. So if you're thinking, I'm going to walk out of here today and just think, ooh, great message, Pastor Nate. I like the stars. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is offering you peace, but you got to do something about it. I love the picture of when God spoke to, let's just say, Noah, for example. And he said, build an ark. Noah didn't take a nap. He got to work. And that's really the picture I want you to, to be thinking about is that God works with us as we accomplish his will. And when you want, if you want peace today, there's going to be some things we're going to have to do. Are you ready for this? So here's the prescription from Scripture. Are you ready? Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Oh, come on. You had to go there. Do not be anxious. Is that a command or an option? That's a command. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, every rock that was thrown your way. Are you ready? So the first thing it says this. By prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, so those, we could break that down and spend a lot of time there, but I want to just really quickly hit this. By prayer and petition, prayer means you're talking to God and you're bringing it to him, and we miss this key ingredient. What are you thankful for? If all you do is focus on what's not going well, you forget to be thankful for the Prince of Peace, the one who offers peace. What are you thankful for? And here's the key. Here's your activation. Here's your, your, the thing that I want you to take away with you. Present your request to God. Present your request to God. That sounds really good. But what does that actually look like? What does that mean? 
So what does presenting your request to God look like? Are you ready? Number one. Number one. Name it. Name it. One of the biggest mistakes I see people do when they present their request to God is they actually don't say a word. They live in their minds. And they rehearse over and over and over and over. And when you stay quiet and you stay silent, what ends up happening is the people that hurt you, the health that you didn't get, the job, the sin, the bitterness, all the things that you're struggling with, they get larger and larger and you get more overwhelmed and peace leaves further and further and faster than you ever thought could happen. And I, and I want to just be completely honest with you. There's been moments in my life where I've lived my life that way. Where I knew that there was a problem, but I never presented it to Jesus. So here's, here's what it was. It was in Gig Harbor. Myel and I were pastoring uh, a church there. We were campus pastors turned into church planners. And in the middle of it, we had a miscarriage and lost a baby. And then... We watched a church, the church we were a part of and in charge of, split right in front of our eyes. They said, if you want to go with Nate and Mael, go on this side of the room. If you want to go with this couple, go on this side of the room. One of the worst moments of our lives. Staring at this. And I'm internalizing everything. I'm not saying a word to the Lord. I'm talking to Mael. We're, we're having conversation, but there's no peace. And I remember... The breaking point for me, I'm sitting in a movie theater with Myel, and I've never had this happen. My hand starts shaking, and I can't stop it from shaking. I'm having a panic attack watching Thor. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's supposed to be a fun movie, right? We're watching a Marvel movie, and my hand's shaking, and I look at Myel, and I say, I, ca I can't handle this anymore. And she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I I'm having trouble breathing. I lost... I was usually, Myel and I were debating about this, how much do I actually weigh? I think I weigh 185 pounds. I'm not really sure right now. But at this time, I had dropped all the way down to 165. I'm struggling to eat. I'd already lost my hair at this point. I mean, everything was just going down. <laughs> and this jar of rocks with all this hurt, all this pain, all this disappointment, everything Felt like it was just weighing me down. And I didn't, the peace that God was promising me, the Prince of Peace, wasn't matching up my life. It didn't look the way that I thought it would look. And the part that, that, that got me the most was I would, I would rehearse all of these things over and over. And this is the second thing. After you name it, you need to ask yourself a question. What lie am I believing? What lie am I believing about what I'm about to name? You see, for me, I remember we went, Myel and I were, we were at, honestly, at the end, we were not sure how this was all going to go. And we went to our counselor, and he knew, he had, he had actually not only been our counselor, he would taught us both at Northwest University, so he was a counselor and a professor. So we went to him, so he knew us pretty well. He knew our story, knew our, our history. And the turning point for me was he looked at me and he said, Nate, I have no doubt if you stay doing what you're doing, you'll have a church, but you won't have a marriage. And that just rocked me. 
And then as we began to talk further, he said, what are you so afraid of? By the way, that's one of those questions you never want to answer. What's your greatest fear? I was talking to Alan about that, and he said that you would ask me that question. <laughs> What's your greatest fear, right? So, he said, so as, I'm, as I'm crying, sitting there at this, at this, in this moment, he says, What's your greatest fear? And I said, my greatest fear is that I'm going to lose my marriage, that I'm going to lose my church, that I will never be in ministry again. And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. I, I heard him, I heard the Lord speak to me, or I, I heard myself say this out loud. I've never articulated this before, that I'm not going to obey the will of God, that I'm going to miss God's will for my life. And I just, there it was. And he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, you're not alone. God's with you. And the moment he said that, peace started returning back into my life. And what I didn't realize until that very moment is I didn't have rocks. I had something even worse. I had Nemo. How peaceful do you think that is? Yeah, Tate loves him. So I want you to watch it just for a second because here's why. What this little guy represents is something that so many people carry, and I did as well, and here's what it is. It's one word, shame. I was ashamed of myself. I had so much shame, I couldn't articulate it to my wife. I couldn't articulate it to any of my close friends. I couldn't articulate shame anywhere because there were so many walls. I had learned through life and experiences that there are so many things that you can share with people, but I'm not sure if I can be that transparent with you. I'm not sure if I can be that honest with you. And what ends up happening is God says, I've got peace that passes understanding right here for you. His name is Jesus, the Prince of Peace. But you're trying to do it on your own. You have to name it. You have to say it out loud. The Bible says that if you confess your sins one to another, that you'll be healed. And if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Confession's powerful. But it's so much deeper than just saying, I'm sorry, God, forgive me my sins. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless this food, this meat. Amen. If that's your prayer life, it'll be really hard for you to experience peace. God is offering you so much more through his son Jesus, the prince of peace. So I ask you today, what lie are you believing? If you were to be honest in this moment today and just say, man, I'm really missing this in my life. I'm believing a lie that I can't tell anybody about this. I'm believing a lie that I'll always be this way. I'm believing a lie that my future's not bright. And here's what I want you to know. If you could write this down. If shame is present, you have no peace. If shame is present, you have no peace. In our world today, where there's a real fight, and the fight is actually for truth. People are trying to redefine truth over and over and over. Have you seen the news? 
Have you watched the media? Have you noticed how many people are saying, that's not my truth? You see, you can't expose a lie with just your truth. You have to expose the, the lie with the truth through the word of God. And that's the third point is this. What is the truth according to God's word? What is the truth according to God's word? For me, the moment I said that, the truth was this. God didn't see me as a disappointment. God wasn't ashamed of me. He loved me. He's with me. And the moment I said I was going to let God down, you know what ended up happening to my little fish of shame? Set it at the feet of Jesus, and it was still. Peace started coming back into my life. And I didn't do it through, like, optimism or just being happy or just trying to figure out, waiting for the next paycheck to come or money, all those different things. You know how it happened? By confessing the truth according to God's word. John 3.17 says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He paid the price of your shame once and for all. Romans 8.1, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So today, my prayer for you this morning is that you will begin to present your requests to God. Because here's the truth. The storm that you're facing in your life, the, the things that you're struggling with, God can handle it. God's with you. He's for you. The peace that you're longing for is in Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. In Mark chapter 4, we see this story of Jesus in a boat, sound asleep. A storm comes. The disciples are saying, we're going to die. And they go down and they say to Jesus, and this is the lie, don't you care about me? He wakes up and he goes outside and he says, to the wind and the waves, peace be still. He has the power to cause peace in your life. It may not change the, the, the circumstance, but it will change your perspective. Peace, be still. What do you need to present to God today? There's a song we're going to sing in just a moment called Peace, Be Still. But as you're here this morning, I want to give people an opportunity. You see, the truth is you can't have the peace of God if you're not at peace with God. Pastor Jason said that a couple weeks ago. If you're here this morning and you need to have peace with God, you need to make your life right with God. It's really easy, really simple, but it's the greatest decision you'll ever make, surrendering your life to him. If you're here this morning while you're seated, would you raise your hand if you want to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? I want to pray with you right where you are. Anybody here want to receive? Thank you. I see. That's awesome. Anybody else? That's awesome. Anybody else want to raise your hand and receive Jesus as your personal Savior? Oh, I see that hand back there. That's amazing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Anybody else? We got two people. Anybody else? That's awesome. Awesome. Well, let's, would you repeat after me, church? Everybody pray this together. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash me 
and make me clean. I receive your peace this morning. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's give the Lord a shout of praise. Come on, all of heaven's rejoicing. Thank you, Jesus. If you raised your hand this morning, please stop by the hub on your way out. We have some stuff to give you that we want to help you on your journey with faith. And the rest of the congregation, would you stand with me? Online, you can put your coffee down and stand as well. Everybody stand. If you're driving, pull over. Then you can stand as well. Wherever you find yourself. I, I want to communicate something really clearly. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The peace that you're looking for is in him. At Portland Christian Center, one of the, the important things for us is to create space for you to encounter the Prince of Peace. So what we're going to do is we're going to sing a song in just a moment, Peace Be Still. But this altar is open. And why is this altar open? So that if you want to come forward and kneel or stand and pray, that different pastors will come and pray behind you. But it's your time with Jesus to experience the Prince of Peace. You see, going back as I was telling that story, going back to that time in my life when I had lost all peace, the last thing I ever wanted to do was respond to what God was saying to my heart. But I'm telling you right now, the moment I presented my, my sin to him or my struggle to him or what I, the lie I was believing, the moment I gave it to him, he met me in that moment. And I'm telling you, there's peace that comes in like a flood and it will transform your life. If you're here this morning and you need the peace of Jesus, you need the presence of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, so much more than just a moment but it's an everlasting peace that will not run out, the one that your heart is longing for. If you're here this morning and you need the peace of God, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you right where you're at. Thank you. I see that hand. You want the peace of God. Anybody else? Lots of hands are going up everywhere. The Prince of Peace is here. So, Lord, I, see, I pray for those hands that went up right now in Jesus' name. I pray that they would experience the Prince of Peace right now in a fresh new way. I pray as we worship you, Lord Jesus, as people are already beginning to come down to the altars to, to lay down and present their anxieties, their fears, their doubts before you. I pray right now that they would lay down the garment of heaviness and pick up a garment of praise. That they would pick up freedom. You said you give beauty for ashes. So, Lord, we thank you that we can present things to you, then that you take them and you take our anxieties and you give us peace. You take our fears and you give us peace. You are the Prince of Peace. Go ahead and come down. Don't wait. There's already people coming. Don't wait right now. The altar's open. There is an anointing to break anxiety, to break fear, to break doubt, to break unbelief. Some of you right now are at war. Right now, do I come down? I believe there is freedom. In Jesus' name, the Prince of Peace is here. Don't wait. 
Don't wait, don't wait, don't wait till you get home. Come on down, come on, look at, come on, come on, there's more. I just feel like the Holy Spirit saying, come, come to me, all who are weary, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you peace. Take my yoke upon me, upon you. There's a trade up that's ready for you today. Holy Spirit, fill this place with your presence. God, we are not. We are unable to achieve this peace without you. So Lord, I pray for every person here that's holding on to something, that they would present it to you, anxious about everything because we pray about nothing. We give them to you, and I pray the peace of God would rule and reign. Would you sing this with us, church, as we respond? Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com.